I'm Bo Maddox. And I'm Joe Cantu. And this is Collateral Cinema. Welcome to Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters, where we focus on good movies, bad movies, and everything else in between in the world of cinema. We are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, we are a 420-friendly podcast, so smoke them if you got them, my friends. Smoke them if you got them. Well, everyone, this is the first episode of Collateral Cinema. Thank you, everyone, who has decided to listen to this today. I'm really, really excited because today we're focused on Takashi Miike's 1999 horror drama epic, Audition. This is a favorite movie of mine. I mean, from a favorite director of mine. I first became aware of Takashi Miike um, maybe like a little bit before this movie came out. I think that uh, Ichi the Killer came out before this. I might be wrong. I'm not sure, but... That's definitely the first one of his movies that I initially watched, and that movie is just out there. I mean, there's so much gore, there's so much weird, like, sexual imagery, and, you know, I mean, the titular character is not even who you think he is. I mean, it's really a great movie, and I definitely recommend that, but this movie right here is a lot more subdued it's a lot more dramatic it uh, it's more multi-layered and it's it's kind of a uh, genre what would be the word a genre smash up i guess you could say and i mean it goes from a psychological thriller to there's romance there's drama there's horror there's and there's a lot in between those layers as well and i mean it's something that really makes me quite livid when I, when I first saw the 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 last fifteen to twenty minutes. That's what I would um, describe it. I would describe it as livid, and it's something that just really just made me think about how how dating culture has changed so much and how coming from a foreign market, how similar it really is all across the board, coming from some place like Japan, which has a lot of their own little kinks and their own little, uh, their own uh, little culture when it comes to dating and romance there. And that much is shown in this movie. It's something that really kind of, I don't know. It's something that really 
grabs at you at an emotional and a psychological level that just really just really forces you to kind of look at the patriarchy to look at like modern attitudes regarding dating and relationships especially in between the the uh, relationship between man and woman in in the mix it's definitely a crazy film <laughs> let's just go ahead and just uh, put that out there you know it's it's something that's needless to say and it's also a movie that is kind of widely regarded as one of the most disturbing films of all time i mean it's in the last 15 or 20 minutes definitely fits that bill although personally i don't really find it that messed up i mean even upon my first viewing it really wasn't that horrific to me even it was just kind of sad in a way you know it was it's more of a tragedy in every sense and it's really compounded by the first half of that movie. The first half of the movie is very much like a straightforward romantic family style drama. It's, it's purposefully uh, written to, uh, and it's uh, filmed to kind of emulate that type of genre of uh, film and television in Japan, which is its own type of family drama with its own type of romance. It's, it's pretty much like a soap opera or a telenovela or something like that. And once things start to go awry midway through the movie, it really, it really just undercuts that first half. And it really just forces uh, the main character, Aoyama, to really just look at loneliness in the face, look at what people think love is, and... And also what it isn't. I mean, it, it really undercuts how, you know, when you first meet somebody, you kind of approach them in a way that you kind of have like a special type of rose-colored glasses, if you will. You just can't really see the forest for the trees when you first meet somebody. And that's something that throughout this movie kind of comes in and comes out of play. And it really makes for a relationship that you just know is just not going to end any other way than it does. Even though you can kind of say that maybe the last 15 to 20 minutes of this film may be just like a dream sequence, or it may just be Aoyama trying to trying to cope with what Asami, the female lead character in this movie, like I'll, I'll get to a synopsis here in a little bit. It really shows how he ignores how broken she is and how in some ways he he kind of manipulates her in the same way that she manipulates him or as it seems. And there's so many different themes in this movie, like social isolation, uh, the quirks of modern dating, uh, the nature of familial relationships versus those romantic relationships. And overall, how patriarchy and how feminism kind of comes into play in those in between those layers, if you catch my drift. So ultimately, what I'm saying with this introduction is that this is a movie that profoundly forced me to look at myself and look at my own dating life and see, you know, what ways am I am I contributing to these problems and in what ways am I not? You know, it's it's something that's very illuminating 
And I recommend everyone to watch this movie kind of with that in mind and really just kind of take in what it's what it's telling you in your own way. Because, I mean, I believe that Mike and especially how open-ended this the ending of this movie is, which we will get to later, it's something that really just lends itself to your own subjective interpretation, even, even outright objective interpretation if you want. But... It's definitely something that everybody needs to see. Everybody needs to watch this film. And without further ado, I'm going to go into a synopsis from it. I'm probably just going to go off of whatever is on Rotten Tomatoes or, uh, or IMDb at the moment, since I have not had time to really write a proper synopsis out. So without further ado, this is the synopsis for Audition. Via IMDb. Shigeharu Aoyama, a middle-aged widower who lost his wife to an illness seven years prior, is urged by his 17-year-old son Shigehiko to begin dating women again. Shigehiko is somewhat doubtful of his father's love life, but plans to move out when he finishes school and does not want his father to be alone. Aoyama's friend and colleague, Yoshikawa, a film producer, devises a plan to hold a mock audition in which young, beautiful women would audition for the part of Aoyama's new wife under the impression that they are auditioning for a new film, but actually so Aoyama can marry one of the finalist contestants. Aoyama is immediately enchanted by Asami Yamazaki, a 24-year-old woman with a soft voice and reserved yet confident mannerisms. In her audition, Asami says that she was once a ballerina headed for greatness, but had to give up dancing after an injury. Aoyama, still reeling from the death of his wife, is attracted to her apparent emotional depth. Yoshikawa warns him about Asami, saying that he has a bad feeling about her. None of the references on her resume were able to be reached, and her job history is shaky. The music producer she claimed to work for had gone missing. Unfortunately, Aoyama is so enthralled by her inner and outer beauty that he is blinded by his feelings for her. She lives in an empty apartment, furnished only with a sack and a telephone. Four days following the audition, she sits perfectly still in the middle of the floor next to the telephone, waiting for it to ring. When it finally does, the sack lurches across the room and makes gurgling sound. She ignores it as she waits a few rings before answering. When Asami answers the phone, she confesses to Ayama that she never expected him to call. After several dates, she agrees to accompany him to a seaside hotel. Once at the hotel, Asami tells Aoyama about the abuse she suffered as a child and shows him the burn scars on her body. Asami asks Aoyama to love only her. Aoyama promises to do so and they make love. The next morning, Aoyama is awakened by a telephone call. It is the front desk wondering if, since his companion left, he too would be checking out. He realizes Asami is nowhere to be found. Using her resume, Aoyama searches in vain for her. Aoyama visits the old ballet studio where Asami claimed to have trained for 12 years. He finds that the studio is now inhabited only by a disabled old man in a wheelchair with artificial feet. It is revealed that the man caused the burn scars on Asami's legs. Then he goes to the bar where Asami used to work, and someone tells him that it has been closed for a year because the woman who was in charge, the wife of a record producer, was found dismembered. When the police put her body back together, they found three extra fingers, an extra ear, and an extra tongue. Asami goes to Aoyama's house during his search. Once there, she finds a photo of his dead wife. Enraged, she slips a sedative in his drink and hides. Aoyama comes home, has a drink, and faints. The movie cuts to a sequence about Asami's past and present. In one scene, the contents of the sack are revealed to be a man missing both feet his tongue, one ear, and three fingers on one hand. He crawls out of the sack and begs for food. Asami vomits into a dog dish and places it on the floor for the man. The man sticks his face in the bowl of vomit and hungrily consumes it. 
A while later, Asami returns to the drugged and paralyzed Aoyama. As she walks into the room, the audience sees the twisted body of Aoyama's pet dog. She proceeds to inject Aoyama with an agent that paralyzes his body, but keeps his nerves alert. She then tortures him with needles in his abdomen and under his eyes. As she is torturing him, she tells him he is just like everyone else and not being able to love only her. She talks about how he has many whom he loves in his life, mainly his son. She says that she has only him and that this is not acceptable because then he will never be completely hers. Her torture of him, she explains, is to teach him the meaning of needing someone. She tells him that words cause lies, pain can be trusted. She then cuts off his left foot with a wire saw. While Asami begins to cut off his other foot, she is surprised by Aoyama's son returning home. She hides and prepares to attack him. He discovers his father on the floor, turns, and is surprised by Asami. Suddenly, Aoyama has a dream that he is waking up and that the past events have been a dream to just after he and Asami had made love for the first time. She says that she accepts his marriage proposal, despite him never actually proposing, and says that she is the heroine of his life. He awakes from his dream to see his son swing around and Asami failed to disable him. Shigehiko runs up a flight of stairs to escape her and she follows him. He kicks her down the stairs, breaking her neck. Aoyama tells his son to call the police. As Aoyama lies in agony on the floor, he continues to stare at the dying figure of Asami on the floor. Her neck is broken in a way that she is facing him. She mutters things that she had told him earlier about waiting for his call and being excited to see him again. He is overcome with sadness as he remembers his answer to her in his dream sequence about her abuse that it's hard to forget about, but someday you'll feel that life is wonderful. everybody we are here with uh, joseph cantu he is my co-host uh, how are you doing tonight joseph doing great how's everybody else doing oh i'm doing fine i don't know about uh, anybody else who's uh, listening to this right now but uh we just uh, heard a clip from the movie audition and we also just did a synopsis um joseph uh, you watched this movie for the first time like a couple of nights ago what, what was your initial what are your overall thoughts about the movie it starts with the letter k k huh for crazy <laughs> it was wild it's a psycho woman you don't want to sleep with your eyes closed oh hell no not at not at all it's a one in a lifetime kind of girl yeah i mean i've owned this movie for quite a few years now like i've like i bought it maybe i want to say 2003 ish because this this came out in 1999 it's way back in the day. Yeah, it, it had been out for a while, and um, when I first saw it, I mean, yeah, the first half is very unassuming. I mean, it's, you know, it's more like just a straight-up romance. I mean, like, not even a romantic comedy, just a straight-up romantic drama, you know. But then, you know, when when she uh, leaves the uh, the seaside resort, I mean it becomes something completely different. It just goes off the rails. 
Oh, it's out there. Yeah, That's yeah. Something I haven't seen before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the director, he's Takashi Miike. He's a really, really prolific director. I mean, he has literally done hundreds and hundreds of movies. Like maybe not hundreds and hundreds, but it he's got a filmography that I mean he started back in like the uh, late eighties, early nineties. Like he did uh, some he, he mostly did uh, yakuza films, but then he kind of branched out into other genres like horror, action. He's done children's movies. I mean he's done uh, period pieces. He's done samurai movies. Oh yeah, and you definitely have a variety of movies. But this one is one to remember, and yeah, it will stick in your mind. But I would definitely like to check out any other ones he does have. Oh, I definitely have quite a few in my collection. I'm a huge Takashi Miike fan. I mean, this is like like I said before. I mean, I didn't. This isn't the first uh, film of his that I've seen. That would be Ichi the Killer, which I remember we watched that back when uh, you were living at your mom's and uh, our first introduction. Yeah, I mean that was also really really crazy and gory and just a really fun movie though. It's right around our ballpark. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, but he's also done like uh, like comedies. Like I have a movie called Osaka Tough Guys, and uh, that's more like a yakuza comedy. Like he's done, uh, he's done. A, he did a movie called uh, The Bird People of China, which is this more like really kind of contemplative philosophical movie. You know, it's not really like horror or anything. It's more of a straight drama. Yeah, and he even did a, a movie called Happiness of the Katakuris, which was. Uh, this weird mashup of different genres like zombie movies, musicals, um, just all kinds of weirdness. Yeah, I'm in, a, I'm in a different world on that level, but it is intriguing and interesting to watch new views. And yeah. it's amazing, like the creativity and what they put into it. Yeah, well, I mean, especially in this movie, I mean, with the last 30 minutes, I mean, like whenever it switches between the different restaurants, you know, like there's three different restaurants that you see in here. Like the first one that they go on their uh, first date. I mean, that's kind of uh, just more of a straight, you know, kind of, a, I wouldn't say a bistro, but more like just a fine dining restaurant. And then they go to that little uh, bar, basically, like they're drinking beer and everything. Like it's something closer to that. And then the third the third uh, restaurant, which is actually a little more significant, it's very, elegant. very elegant, but also very dark and very uh, foreboding, you know? Oh, yeah. You can definitely tell something's about to go down. Yeah. And any time that uh, Asami and Aoyama, the two characters, are in that uh, restaurant, that's when uh, some really significant moments happen that influences things down the line. And even it, it, it uh, calls back uh, later on, which kind of shows uh, Aoyama's psyche at the moment. It shows him kind of foreseeing what's about to happen. For, not so much foreseeing, but kind of uh, coping and contemplating uh, his new relationship with this woman that he kind of manipulated into dating. Well, she was the wrong one because he sure did pay for it. Oh, he paid for it like dearly. <clears throat> Those are new techniques I've never seen. Not even in an old Vietnam War movie. <laughs> <laughs> fucking deer hunter or something like mm -hmm. that. Or a fucking platoon. To, feel the, to be paralyzed and to feel the pain and not be able to move. That I could imagine that's pretty bad. Uh, 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 uh. 
クリクリクリクリクリ痛い言葉なんか嘘だけど痛みだけは信じれるものね痛いとよくわかるでしょ自分がどんな形をしてるかってことがキリキリキリキリお腹ではここが一番ほらここもここもねキリキリキリキリキリおまあ、あみだぶび、アプソルティフライトニング。あみ、ぶ、あみ、わつ、インテレスティング、アバウト、トゥ、トゥ、シーン、アーデ、インプレメンツ、デラ、デシ、ユーズ、デ、トゥ、トゥ、ヒム。あみ、ファーシー、ユーズ、アニドル、アサリンジ、トゥ、トゥ、ドル、ヒズ、ネーズ、ナツ、ムチ、ドル、ヒズ、ネーズ、ドル、ヒズ、ムスル、トゥ、ウェイ、カン、ムーヴ。アンド、シー、ユーズ、ユーズ、Acupuncture needles, that's what those were. That was needles that are normally used、uh, kind of for healing and whatnot, but she was using it to torture him, you know, while he was completely paralyzed and while he, you know, he couldn't do anything about it. And oh no. And then、uh, finally, she uses the piano wire, you know, which is、uh, very, in its own way, also very elegant. You know, it's very thin. Well, at least he died in class. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't remember him dying, but yeah, he was. No, he was he was like a little stubby, like the dude off.、Uh... What was that one movie? What, what movie is it? Mighty Pythons. Oh, where, oh where yeah, yeah, yeah. All his limbs chopped off. Yeah, that's、uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which we will be、uh, featuring a few episodes from now. I'd love to watch that one again. Oh, yeah, we will. We will. I'll bring my coconuts. But yeah, I mean, in this film, yeah, the, the last、uh, torture scene, I mean, it just really, it's all very feminine, you know? She's almost, it's almost girlish in、oh, a way. Oh, she was mad. She was mad about life. Yeah, but in a way, she was kind of taking glee from what she was doing. It's girl power back in the day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very much the same today as well. Yeah, I mean, and、uh, there are a lot of、uh, people that kind of see her as a bit of a kind of a feminist icon, you know, because of、uh, what she did to Aoyama. You know, she kind of、mm-hmm. took matters into her own hands and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Our hero. Our, our hero, our heroine. Our heroine hero. This movie was、uh, part of a、uh, greater explosion of Japanese cinema that came out roughly around the、uh, mid to late 90s. Was that before the puppet shows? <laughs> After like the, the hand socks. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I don't know. That was too soon, right? I don't know. It sounds, it sounds like Syphil and Ollie to me. That's a whole other issue. But yeah, I mean, there were、uh, several directors that were making really interesting movies, like. There was a movie called Battle Royale that came out, which.、Uh, I had one of those last weekend. <laughs> yeah, but not like this. This had a, an entire.、Uh, They had swords, because I forgot mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is serious stuff. You got to keep,、yeah. your, keep your composure. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. You can't giggle that hard on the, on the mic. 
<laughs> well, I, I just did, and you know, I'm totally <laughs> keeping it in, you know, because <laughs> God damn it, this is fun. This is fucking this fun. This is a good life. You know what? Wait till the check comes in. Yeah. <laughs> Never really going to be giggling. I'll giggle with you. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, Battle Royale was a pretty gory, violent movie that was wasn't even available here in the States for a little while because it involved some uh, child uh, violence. Well, children, I mean, they were teenagers. Well, as long as they say nobody gets hurt, it's okay, right? <laughs> well, lots of people get hurt in that movie, needless to say. Feelings don't matter, though. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, that was just a joke. Yeah, okay, it was a joke. Calm down, everybody. It was a joke. box of tissue. Also, you had uh, movies like Tokyo Gore Police, which was just ridiculously... Now, that, that just sounds awesome. I like, is there a giant monster in it? Oh, there's giant, yeah, there's uh, lots of really gross body horror and mutations and that and gore, and it, it's, it's just a really, really fun movie. Also, I mean, in the same vein was Machine Girl. Oh, that sounds intriguing. Yeah, that had more of like a Japanese schoolgirl. She gets her arm amputated, and then she gets a machine gun oh, attached to it. Oh, that's what I need. Yeah. Yeah, and... An arm machine girl. And also, uh, there's a director named uh, Sion Sono. He uh, has made quite a few different uh, interesting films of own right, like Strange Circus. He's made uh, Cold Fish. And he made a movie called Su Suicide Club. Like, the first, the first 10 minutes of that movie... I think I could see a movie called Suicide Club. The first 10 minutes of that movie, it has a, a bunch of Japanese screwgirls line up at a uh, subway station at the rails. Uh, hold hands, uh, chant some type of uh, happy cheer, and then jump in front of a train. It's just like oh wow, dozens of Japanese schoolgirls just kind of like a domino effect. Yeah, very much, and it's just blood everywhere. Yeah, but I mean, there was also other great movies that came out around that time. You know, like e even before then. I mean, it's something that I kind of feel it's not necessarily Japanese, but it kind of predated it, and it kind of was the progenitor for all About for that. All was uh, century. No, it was a movie called Ricky O, the story of Ricky. Like it was, it's this martial arts movie that uh, takes place in a prison, and it's really, really action packed. That can end up any good. Oh, it's very graphic. Like it, it's a very graphic movie. Uh, I believe it's streaming on Shutter right now. But you might have to check that out. And we eventually, hopefully, we'll get a live podcast going to where we can guide you through the internet world to the actual cinema and see what we're talking about well we will be uh doing film commentaries that we will have but that's until and that's until they're ready yes of course yeah we will have film commentaries on patreon preferably video and that will be available soon but yeah i mean japanese uh extreme horror cinema i mean it's very very interesting and multifaceted and Takashi Miike is very much the king of that style. Traditional. Yeah, very traditional. And of course, you know, uh, we'd be remiss to not mention stuff like The, gr the Grudge and, uh, you know, The Ring, or Ringyu and Juon, as they were called. Like, I mean, those types of uh, Japanese horror movies, they kind of invaded the American mainstream for a little while. You know, we were seeing remakes of them over and over. It's a different type of mentality, but yeah. they die with dignity. Well, I mean, you see a lot of the stuff that was in those Japanese ghost story type movies that are now in stuff like, you know, Paranormal Activity. Pretty, it's pretty amazing on how futuristic those cartoons are. Well, they, they weren't really cartoons. Like, they were live action movies. But some of their horror cartoons are also very interesting there, like uh, Parasite and uh, Tokyo Ghoul and Ninja Scroll. And yeah, I mean, but that's a whole nother 
conversation oh, yeah. right there. うん、辛い目にあった時だけ自分の心の形がわかるのよ。ああ。青山さんの息子さん。茂彦って言うんでしょ。息子さんがひどいのに合わされたら yeah, I mean, but this movie audition had a lot of interesting things to say about dating and romance in the modern era. Keep it real or you're going to get chopped up. Yeah. Like, what, what did you think the movie had to say about that, Joseph? What were you, What's your take well, on that? you know... He obviously didn't uh, want what he had and made a different choice, and it was the wrong one because he was with the a crazy a crazy one. Uh huh. And uh, yeah, she knows she knows how to use her tools. Oh yeah. So yeah, she took care of him, and uh, pretty psychotic. It's pretty out there, you know. That's pretty good torture and something different, you know. You don't usually see every day in a movie. Oh yeah, certainly not. I mean, you have movies like Fatal Attraction that kind of goes oh, yeah. down that in the like same you route. Got those mani uh, manipulative. Oh yeah, very manipulative, very much so. But I mean, at the same on the same level, I mean, Aoyama was manipulative as well. I mean, he just got caught, and she was smarter and faster. Exactly. I mean, he he what he did was admittedly pretty skeevy. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I mean, just I I actually didn't count on her being that bold and. Doing what she did, because uh, that takes a lot of guts to inject somebody and actually follow through on a full murder. Like, yeah, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, there has been some women that have done some pretty crazy stuff like that. Like, you're for instance, talk, you're not talking about the astronaut that rode across. No, I'm actually not going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Good little callback to the big sick, by the way. That was a good counter. That was. Um, it's a actual. Um, Something that actually happened in Japan, like back in, I think it was like the 1800s, maybe a little later than that. I'm not sure. So is that a um, normal thing they do? No. Well, check it out. It's, it was this lady. She was a prostitute and geisha. Oh, wow. We just have a, we, we just had a goddamn uh, movie clip play. Oh, well, we're, we're just going to go ahead and talk over it. Whatever. Yeah, that's fine. It sounds kind of cool. Uh. Let's see, where was I going with that? <laughs> you were thinking too hard, I hear you. I guess I was thinking a little too hard, folks. I, I completely lost my train of thought. But yeah, this movie, it really says a lot about women's role in Japan at the time. You know? I mean, and, and, and right now, you know, Japan is a very conservative, very traditional society, and women are kind of... Uh, seen as they're very much seen as the uh, subservient uh, class in Japan and I'm sorry I'm still listening to the I movie know. clip the dog, <laughs> the dog is drinking so loudly the dog is drinking very loudly yes, yes ladies and gentlemen there is a dog here and his name is D.O.G D.O.G yes that's right D.O.G he drinks out of the toilet. He likes 
to make a mess. But okay, I think I remember what I was talking about. I was talking about Sade Abba. She was a, a prostitute and geisha. She uh, fell in love with this merchant named Kenichi, and they went off to this uh, hideaway in Japan to uh, pretty much have this entire week of just sex, like nothing but sex. And eventually, you they definitely uh, can never forget a name like that. No, but eventually, she uh, she strangled him to death. And she oh, that sounded uh, like a freaking prank. Yeah, dur- during sex, and she cut his penis off. She put his penis. That's in- worse than a praying mantis because they only eat your head. <laughs> well, figuratively speaking, they just <laughs> ate hair. Not head. both of them. Yeah, but I mean, she wrapped it up in a traditional Japanese gift wrap, and like she was ate it. That's just no, weird. No, 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 no. She was walking around the streets of uh, Tokyo with uh, her this dude's penis in this wrap and just in That's this just dream wrong. state. That's just wrong. Yeah. And, I mean, this movie kind of evokes that uh, folk. But it's like a true story. It's a true story, but it's also, Sada Abba kind of became a little bit of a folk hero in Japan as well because yeah, of it. it's like, yeah, uh, support that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the guy who got his stuff cut off. Yep. Mr. Aoyama himself. That's what he probably sounded like. Yeah, he definitely sounded like that. I I won't lie. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty uh, interesting. Yeah, but what was interesting about that final torture scene was just how matter-of-fact she was about everything, you know? Like, she was just matter of fact. Yeah, she was just very straightforward with him. She was just like, "Oh, this is why I'm doing this. It's because mm-hmm. you said you, you would love this, and you did it. Yeah. And now you're gonna pay for it. And that's that's a true story, and I feel for. Her, and uh, I just didn't see that coming. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, but it's a cool movie, though. It was definitely difficult to see coming, but I mean, and that's why that last fifteen why minutes. Did I like to watch it. It's a weird thing. I mean, kind of probably out of a period interest, I'd imagine. I mean, but yeah, I mean, the last, the last 30 minutes compared to the first uh, half of the movie, I mean, like I said, it's very much structured like a traditional family oh, I drama. Enjoyed, I enjoyed it, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it, it, on its own right, I mean, if you took away the psychological elements of the film, I mean, that, w- that story would stand on its own right. Oh, yeah. I mean, but... But ultimately, it had to go where it had to go, you know, just to really kind of show how Aoyama was coping with uh, his manipulation of uh, Asami. Yeah, he definitely couldn't overpower her on that one. No, definitely not. Definitely not. But, I mean, my overall theory of that is, is that most of that torture scene doesn't really happen. That's really what I think. 
Like, you remember when I referenced that uh, last, the uh, restaurant with the uh, red walls and everything? So you kind of think it was a dream, kind of? Not so much a dream. It was uh, Aoyama's uh, inner psyche kind of coping with uh, his in guilt tripping. through the different options or visions of sh what she could have done. Basically just kind of processing what he, the situation he was in, and then finally, like, the final 15 minutes, the torture scene is pretty much just him just seriously guilt tripping and just beating himself up over it. And that's through the manifestation of Asami uh, torturing him and just telling him, this is why I'm doing this to you, you know? It's like, it's because you're a piece of so shit. So what do you think that he actually, because I don't quite remember the ending, I just remember that he was on his face with all four limbs missing and... And little daggers in his eyes. It wasn't all four limbs. It was just uh, one limb, and she started cutting into one foot. But oh, that was it. That was the ankle that came off. But he was—he uh, was looking at her. She had just broken her neck, and uh, she started uh, muttering. Oh, that's right, talking. She started talking uh, all the. She started mentioning some of the things she had said to him on one of her dates, and uh, that date. Um, you know, he told her that you know what I would want you to know that life can be wonderful again. You know, and that's really what that was. It was finally him kind of coming so to terms. I think they believe that they both found themselves content with being something like that. Something being like that. Happy. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was not so much happiness, just kind of coming to terms with uh, what he had done and, and maybe accepting that there might or might not be a future with this woman. Oh, you know? definitely not. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, she did cut him up. In pieces. Well, that's if you accept that as being real. Yeah, it could have just been a figurement of somebody's imagination. Of Ayayama's, of Ayayama's psyche, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She saw a different past. Yeah, definitely. But also, her past definitely comes into play in this movie as well. You know, I mean, she, the whole thing with her uh, uncle, who uh, was also her ballet teacher, I mean, that in its own right... I mean, that dude was a bastard. And it's understandable I that... I vaguely remember anything about that, but... Well, you remember he had the uh, hot uh, wooden rods that were all burning, oh, and he, yeah. Yeah, oh, he yeah. like tortured her with them? That's definitely uh, a sick son of a bitch. Very sick son of a bitch, but... I mean, it's kind of understandable why she would have some type of negative uh, view well, of you men. Know, you also that. have to put yourself in their time error, because back in that time frame, if you actually think about it yeah their discipline was a lot stricter than the the hand slaps that we have well, nowadays we're, we're I, think, only... I think more now parents get more discipline than the children well that's a whole nother issue altogether i mean this dude he was uh, her uncle and he was t totally taking advantage oh of yeah her. and that's just pedophile yeah yeah i mean it's, it's strongly implied that he was uh definitely molesting her as yeah, well as that's, torturing and her that's horrible because you know that yeah. scarred her for life and yeah, it could have made it. It made her a psycho, crazy woman, and she got set off. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. You know, because otherwise is. she seems like a very innocent and pure and demure woman. Yeah. You know, that's but, a crazy one for you, and it wasn't her fault that somebody did that. No, it wasn't. Absolutely not. I mean, in the end, she is the victim there. You know, I mean, she's... But, She's a woman that will stand up for her own self, I can tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in a way, I mean, you can kind of argue that she has a little bit of a, uh, 
a little John bit, Wayne a kinda. little bit, no, 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 a little bit in common with the the character uh, that was in the movie I Spit on Your Grave. Like she, except she went through something a lot more traumatic. But I mean, it's very much uh, still taking, uh, kind of taking revenge on the the men that uh, that hurt them. You know. Yeah, and I mean, that's not to good, not to. That's a very good incentive. I mean, not to compare the two situations. It's just more comparing the. Uh, I thought it was a pretty complete movie. Yeah, it was. Yeah, comparing the drive that that both of those characters had. But yeah, it was a very, it was a superlative film. It really is. I mean, start to finish, it kept you interested, and it was a good ending. Yeah, but also this is a movie that is typically seen as. One of the most disturbing films of all time. Did you? And did you? I actually was able to eat something while I watched it. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I might have spilled something because I kept my, I took my eye off the TV. If that makes sense, but I <laughs> yeah. thought it was pretty good. Oh yeah, it definitely. I didn't was. see anything worse than what I've seen before. Yeah, I mean, to me, it feels like a pretty standard horror film. You know, I mean. I have movies in my collection that are a lot rougher than this. I have stuff like The Girl Next Door, and it Jack Ketchum. more natural, too, like the way the, the ankle came off. It was pretty clean, and it was yeah. not digital, fake, and it was... Oh, it was excellent practical it was, it was effects. It really good uh, cinematry. Cinematography, you mean? Yeah, it could be that. Yeah, the cinematography in this movie is also very... Uh, well put together. It, it was very well done for its time. You know, yeah, I mean, we're I only mean, talking. Was, I mean, what didn't it come out in '99? You said '99. It's not even 20 years. I know. It's a, it's still quite. It's almost two centuries. Two decades. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, not, that's that's <laughs> my Mexican math because I got I got rocks that fade away when it rains. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. Goddamn, Joseph. I don't have Goddamn. a chalkboard. I have a street and a curb to write this x plus two times yeah. three is. Hello. Yeah. But, Mexican taco day. But yeah, I mean, this is a movie that ends up on a lot of uh, most disturbing movie lists on YouTube. Does and on, it now? Yeah, it really does. Like it, it over Jason and Aiding Freddy. No, Kruger. over movies uh, even worse than that, like Martyrs and uh, like Funny Games or We Need to Talk About Kevin. These are all movies that I have, those and we are will all new to me. We will talk about those movies at some point well, during this podcast. Talk about it. I gotta see it. Of course, of course. And maybe... But this movie never really disturbed me that much. No, I, I was able to eat a bowl of cereal and watch it, and, and none of it came out my nose or anything. I was all right. I yeah. chewed it all well. Well, I think that what makes it not disturbing is because of that first half of the movie. The true love? Yeah, the whole, that's what it was. Yeah, the whole setup of the romantic element and it the relationship. It put me in my zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, those Captain Crunch were excellent with that love. Now, I'm not saying that the first half works against the movie or anything like that. It just helps you kind of ease into the more oh, disturbing yeah. elements of the movie. It's a slow rolling roller coaster. Yeah, it's a slow burn, definitely. I mean, what you want because we are a 420 friendly. Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> so you're more than welcome to ride the magical train. Oh, definitely. Yeah, smoke them up if you have it. Like, definitely. And especially during a film like this. Like, you're definitely going to want to maybe burn a few, you know? Oh, yeah. Like Grandma always said, nice cup of twisted tea and a warm bath. Or relax you. Yeah, but this is a movie that was supposedly so disturbing that uh, when it came out at the Cannes uh, Movie Festival, it uh, 
like luminaries like Rob Zombie walked out on it. And is he a tough guy? What's he, that? He's directed stuff that's pretty gory, didn't he? Yeah, he has. He's so directed. Why would he walk out on that? Because well, I didn't think it was that bad. Well, fear is subjective, man. Like uh, horror he is subjective. To make a stand. He had a point to make. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. He wanted to prove something. You know what? He proved he can walk out well, from somewhere pretty fast. I don't think that that might be the case. I think no, that he was just really disturbed maybe he had by to go it. To the bathroom. Maybe he had to go <laughs> somewhere real fast. But I mean, it's kind of surprising because he's not a, a casual horror fan. You know, he's he has he seen. He might need to do conditioner. Now, who knows? <laughs> he has a lot of hair. He might have needed a perm conditioner. Oh, my Lord. Rob Zombie, we love you, man. I mean, we're not bragging on We're not degrading, but I know, I know I get hot with a little beard. I don't even have a beard. <laughs> and I got to shave it. So you got to do something if you're moving that quick. Yeah, I don't like to have my beard particularly thick either. It gets very distracting, you know? I mean, we're manly enough, but when we have a beard, it's even manlier and it's we get all crazy. Yeah. We get crazy when we get beards. Look at my buddy Bo. Yeah. So what would you say would be the gore factor of this movie? The gore factor. You're like, how gory do you think it is on a scale of one to ten? Um, real life, true story. I say this is about a good seven. Seven? I would say so. Yeah. I mean, the torture scene is can be very distressing, but it's one of those things where it's not so much what's shown, but what is not shown. And the thing is, like, it didn't quite make me like want to vomit, but it was, it was, it had a good potential and it, yeah. it's something worth watching and i did enjoy but if you want to talk about gory we can find some other things oh definitely and and that's what we will do yeah other things in my collection yeah we'll definitely we're definitely gonna be talking about some some better movies well we're gonna well in a few episodes from now we're also going to be talking about the movie martyrs that's that's actually very well known for being pretty intense like but also, that's another movie that I didn't find that disturbing. I mean, I'm not I trying like the to... title. It sounds interesting. It's very interesting. It's a French film. And oh, no parlez-vous. Excuse me. <laughs> I didn't mean to slip hey, my tongue. Hey, some of the best horror has come from places like France. I know like a little French, you know? Mm-hmm. I know, the, the, best I know the only thing I know is French kissing. That's it. <laughs> Sorry about that. I, I don't eat cheese, but it's okay. We can eat some garlic bread. <laughs> or is that Italian? I don't so know. That's Italian. You're talking right, French. I'm Mexican, so I'll eat both. <laughs> put some, put some fideo. Fuck it. Put some, noodle, put some noodles in it. Put some noodles in it. Y'all, y'all heard this first. Put some noodles in you it. You heard it live. It's true. <laughs> we eat noodles. Fideo. But Takashi Miki can really bring out the more psychological elements of the stories that he directs, like. What did, what did you think about the psychological part of the film? That's a little uh, mind-boggling right there. Is because uh, he's like a, a little kid in a candy store uh-huh. with like both hands in a cookie jar and pulling out different color M&Ms. It's, it could be anything at any time. Oh, definitely. I mean, that's definitely how that... Uh, it's how pretty that- out there. It's, it's pretty... His mind is pretty... Yeah. Growing. It's, it's out there. Oh, definitely. I mean, Mike really uh, delved into Aoyama's psyche. I mean, basically how he was processing everything. And, but he also kind of uh, shone light into Asami's world a little bit, which is very lonely. You know, different, she's, different people's perspectives from one person 
Yeah, but you know, most people don't have a guy with a bunch of a bunch of limbs missing in their yeah. fucking a bag in their apartment. You know. Yeah, it's kind of tough to say anything when you have your limbs getting chopped and poked out and your eyeballs closed. Yeah, your tongue cut out. And yeah, so you're gonna have to see whatever happens. Yeah. What did you think about that vomit uh, scene where the dude from the bag? Uh, I ate thought that the was a dream because I actually I blocked out at that time, <laughs> and um, I thought it was me. But thank God I didn't wake up with anything on me. Yeah, right. I was like, it was a movie. Takaka somebody what? Takai later. But fun fact about that scene: the 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 girl who played Asami, she actually vomited into that, and that was my last um nickname awesome me awesome me huh <laughs> yeah i used to be called awesome me but awesome i, I, I grew that one awesome me you mean yeah awesome me oh wow but then i grew up into a superstar so now i got a different <laughs> nickname rocket <laughs> i don't stop it what oh absolutely just, not yeah it's cool because we're gonna keep on continuing to talk about these awesome movies yeah and report any new probing going on in america <laughs> Donald Trump's got his thumb on it. Oh, you're, Lord, you're, no. You're the next green. Oh, Lord, no. No, we're not going to go there. We're just telling jokes, but we're actually talking about movies. Yeah, especially movies as awesome as Takashi Miike's Exactly. But yeah, I mean, I kind of thought that, I mean, psychologically speaking, I mean, this movie really just kind of pierces you a little yeah, bit you it, know it sure does it pierces you just like the uh, acupuncture needles that Asami uses on naoyama it teaches you life without knowing kind of like learning yeah. the facts of life with while i mean without watching the facts of life well it's it's like i said uh, in the intro i mean when i first watched this movie and i've watched it over and over and over again since then but especially then it really kind of made me question you know what are some of the areas in my dating life where I may have been manipulative like that? Oh, like, I guarantee you it's over time. Because almost. you know what? People play people, and people try to do things to impress other people, and it's very easy to do. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? The real stuff comes out after a few months. Yeah. Because you can't fake it for that long. It's, a, it's an easy thing to do, but you know what? People are crazy. And people go out of their way to make themselves look different. So, yeah, you probably were played more than you think. Oh, precisely. Women are especially crazy. <laughs> I know men are, you know, men can be all testosterone, testosterone out and do it. But, you know, women, y'all better watch out for uh, yourselves. To all our female listeners, we love you. We yeah, totally love I'm you. I'm not saying y'all ain't good, <laughs> but I'm saying y'all ain't bad either. <laughs> that was kind of weird, wasn't it? Oh, very weird, Joseph. <laughs> Almost like Takashi Miike weird. You can just call me JC. My friends call me JC now. Those are my new, my new friends. You know, I'm going to introduce y'all to me. Is uh, Crazy J, I'm going to go ahead and leave that one out of this one. We're going to call me JC. JC. Y'all heard, Jesus Christ. Y'all heard it here, folks. JC. Yeah, he is JC. I mean, we, he just did an old dirty bastard. May as well call we'll him keep it baby easy. Jesus. We'll keep it easy. We'll keep it JC. Good Lord. Good yes, Lord. And put your hands together and kneel down, pray before the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ but loves you. What? This movie, 
is something that I do really hold near and dear to my heart. I mean, it was when I was really getting into Japanese horror. Well, I definitely will not scratch this DVD on purpose this time for you. I appreciate that, Joseph. And I know you appreciate your collection, which is a, a vast collection. I won't, I won't do you dirty on this one. It was, yeah. it, one, it, was it's, it is one to keep, so I put it back in the case very cleanly. <laughs> you know, with baby tissues and everything, you know. I appreciate that. I put airbags on it, so next time you pull it I out. definitely appreciate that, but yeah, I mean, this movie will definitely teach you a lot of lessons about life, love, and the pursuit I of know, happiness. I know, it's so weird. Yeah. To see somebody's ankle fall off, like, it teaches me a lot. Like, I'm gonna wear high socks. <laughs> For real. High socks, oh my yeah, lord. they are. They're gonna be high socks with the stripes on top. Good, good. It makes me like, if I can pick up my knees real high when I run, I think I'll get away. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think that would help if you uh, drink liquor. Or just don't have a Chinese girlfriend. Japanese. Oh, that's what I meant to say. Come on, man. Keep up. um, I know, I know. It's scary, though. Keep up here. They don't all look the same, man. (laughs) I know. I just scared because when the ankle came off, I was like, I don't know if she's Chinese or Japanese now because I probably was hyperventilating hyperventilating at that time. Wow. But yeah, true love hurts. True love hurts. That's the truth from JC. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. This was a lot of fun, Joseph. What, and, what do you think? It was very awesome, and the, the, the little cute phrase of the night is, believe in love. Forget the pain, believe in love. Believe in love, everybody. You heard it here. And yeah, that will do it for Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters. You can find us on Twitter, at Podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud. Just look up Collateral Cinema Movie Podcast. Uh, we are on Patreon. You can check us out there. Our uh, intro beat is by Dark Sun. You can find him on Twitter. Uh, we will have a um, new uh, outro song, hopefully pretty soon, by Another Restless Thought. Uh, hopefully that will be playing over uh, this outro right now. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And just and check us out. You. We do have a Facebook page now. Also look up. It's uh, at Collateral Cinema on Facebook. So check us out. We appreciate you listening, and y'all have a great evening, morning, day, or whatever. And remember, we are 420 friendly. Smoke them if you got them. Smoke them if you got them. Eat them.
Glarus Cinemas and L Company Production.